Um, I was just telling someone the other day that we probably like playing baseball more than we like watching, but I still like watching baseball. When I was a kid, I played baseball for one year, and then I played soccer for two years, and then went back to baseball, I think, for four years, but I'm 44, so my memory isn't that great uh, anymore. But I do remember that this summer, it'd be hard to forget, I coached my son's 12 and under uh, Little League team, and I also got to coach at the end of the year the all-star team, not because I was some great coach, but because the other coach said, well, you have at least a little more experience than I do, so why don't you do it? And so that was how I became the all-star coach. And one of the reasons that I said yes to coaching this team in the first place, other than just all the texts and emails saying, hey, we still don't have a coach yet, uh, was because I knew that I was going to be on sabbatical. So I just want to say thank you to, to this church, to you guys, because you're part of the reason that I was able to coach and the reason that I was able to put so much into it, because I am not exaggerating when I say that I spent way more time thinking about rosters and batting orders, on-base percentages and batting averages than I ever thought that I would. I used to wonder, how is it that someone can be a coach as their full-time job? And now I know, because this was just a Little League team, <laughs> and I spent hours planning for every single game. You have to keep track of 10 kids. And at this age, you have to keep track of how many pitches they pitched. Because there's health protocols. Like, oh, if they pitch this many pitches, they can't pitch the next day. Or for this many days. You have to keep track of all that. You have to keep track of how many times they were up to bat. You have to keep track of how many innings they played. And then you have to keep track of their stats if you actually want to start shaping that lineup in a way that helps the team get to a place where they might win games and, you know, puts their, their best abilities forward, and then you have to keep 20 parents in the loop, <laughs> and you have to manage their expectations, and communicate with your assistant coaches, and the coaches of the other teams, and the other cities where you're going to play. It's, it was a lot. So along the way, what I did was, not necessarily on purpose, but I found myself going, okay, these are my rules for coaching. These are the basic ideas. These are the things that... that that I have to do these things, these are the things that I care about. I needed some reminders of what it was that I was doing, why I was doing it, and what I hoped the kids would experience. So today I actually want to share my five rules for coaching baseball. So let's open our Bibles. <laughs> All right? We're going to open our Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first book in what's called the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and so it's called what's one of the Gospels. Uh, so if you see Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, any of those, you know uh, you're in the right neighborhood. If you don't have a physical Bible and you would like one, we have, they're, they're blue. They're out on the bookshelf next to the front door. Feel free to take one of those with you. You know, otherwise, just download uh, a digital Bible from one of the app stores, okay? So Matthew 19, and we're going to be 13 and 14, and if uh, you would stand with me as you are uh, willing or able as we uh, read the scriptures. It says this, Matthew 19, 13, 14. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. 
for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, then he went on from there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your son Jesus, what he taught, what he did. Thank you that we can read about it and learn from it today. Whatever you have for us to learn, I pray that it would stick, that it would become a part of the framework of our faith, that our faith would become stronger, that we would be more like your son Jesus. Amen. Thanks, y'all. You can have a seat. All right, so this isn't one of my baseball rules, but it should just kind of go without saying that kids are really important to Jesus, okay? And I'm just going to give like a little disclaimer right up here at the front that I have Kleenex down here because I cried so many times when I was writing this sermon. And so just, just be prepared. Men are allowed to cry. And many of you that know me have seen it many times, but I feel like this is one of those important ones. There are things that, that we need to understand. And the first thing, that first baseline is just that kids are really important to Jesus. I coached baseball for the kids, not just my kid. Does that make sense? And I don't think that any coach should coach a team if it's only for their kid. I had to care about all the kids or I wasn't going to be a good coach, period. And here at church, that's the primary reason that we've always had treehouse for our kids during the school year. Because kids matter to Jesus. Kids matter to Jesus. He really, really likes them. One of the best things that a kid can get at a church is an age-appropriate Bible lesson with other kids their age. And so we've just always offered that during the school year to our kids. So I'm happy to announce that, as always, Treehouse will be back in mid-September. A round of applause. Yes? And I'm thinking maybe for the first time in a number of years, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have just a different feel because we've gotten past a lot of challenges in our society. But we are going to be making a change that we hope will translate into even more kids getting to experience Treehouse. The first five and a half years of this church. Uh, some of you were, have been here as far back as that. Treehouse happened at the same time as this service because we used to meet at Rock Island High School, okay? Some of, we, some of us are having flashbacks. It's fine. <laughs> we used to meet at Rock Island High School, so the kids were in the library while the adults were in the little theater. And then when we moved here in January of 2019, we kept it that way for a little, little time, but we had all this space we didn't have the same time restraints that we had when we're loading and unloading everything into a school, and so we split it up. We put Treehouse at 9.30 and decided to have all the kids in here for the whole service at 10.30, and I've actually really enjoyed that. I regularly tell parents when they think their kid is being loud, not nearly as loud as you think they are. It's all just part of it. It's, it's all good. We thought when we made that change, when we, we split it to 9.30 and 10.30, the truth is that we thought we would see an attendance drop in Treehouse, just because we're asking people to come earlier, in that, and that's difficult sometimes, and, and we did. Um, but we were hoping that the extra time would actually be a benefit to the kids, but we also figured that people would eventually just get used to it, and then kind of the numbers would go back to where they were, would, and then the world's completely changed. We were only five months into the change when, when the world just went absolutely crazy. And so then, starting in 2020, we just didn't have consistent treehouse for the longest 
time for something like a year and a half. And when we did bring it back on Sunday mornings, instead of 18-ish kids, when we were at Rocky and 12-ish kids, when we had changed the time, now it was just a few kids. And we always say, you can go check the tape. We always say, anytime we make a big change, that if it doesn't work, we'll try something else. So we found that statistically and practically and literally that having Treehouse at 9.30 instead of during this service at 10.30 is translated into just fewer kids getting to go to Treehouse, which means that fewer kids are getting that age-appropriate Bible lesson about Jesus with other kids their age at the same time. And so we're going to change it back. We're going to change it back with one primary difference. If you're a parent or a guardian bringing your kids, they will start in here with us at 10.30 just like they do right now. They will worship with us. They will say our weekly prayers with us. And then during the two minutes for one question, as they're telling each other what their answer is, they'll end up going into Treehouse. So while we are having our age-appropriate sermon, they can have their age-appropriate lesson as well. And I know that that's a big change. But the honest-to-God truth is that we're doing it just to give more kids a chance to have that age-appropriate Lesson. We want kids to be able to climb into God's great story. We want to give them the best options that we can. It's not required, of course. Keep your kids in here. I love your kids in here. It's completely fine. It's not required at all. But we do also recognize that that means that some teachers will miss the sermon a couple times a month. But you will have gotten to worship with everyone. And if we have a big team, wink, wink, if we have a big team... No one will have to serve all that often, and so you will not have to miss my amazing sermons and Chris's amazing sermons and Jen's amazing sermons. We know how great they are. No one wants to miss any of them. And I'm going to make this commitment that if Treehouse needs another team member, I'll be on that team. I'll be on your team, Robin, because there's almost always a Sunday every month, one Sunday, where I'm not the one preaching. So I'll lead songs. And I'll put my guitar down, and then I'll answer two minutes for one question, and then I'll go and I'll serve the kids. Because that matters. Because they're important. And them getting this is just one more way that we're trying to help them grow up into who God wants them to be. So let's just give them the best chance of that that we possibly can, because kids matter to Jesus. Now, we also plan on having nursery, so we're going to be building that team up and coffee hour in the shed is going to happen at 10 to 10.30. So hour is more like in quotes now. It's just only 30 minutes, but it's, it's, it'll be great. It's going to be great, okay? So now that is all intentional part of my sermon. It was all written down. It wasn't an aside. It is intentionally in here, but you're all probably going, that has nothing to do with baseball, Greg. I thought you were going to tell us your five rules of baseball, and you all seem very eager to find out what those were. So repeat after me when I say rule one, and then I'll say what the rule is. You just say the rule, okay? Okay, rule one, have fun. Have fun. Rule two, my bad, move on. My bad, move on. Number three, every position is important. Every position is important. Rule number four, baseball is magic. Baseball is magic. And rule number five, keep playing. Keep playing. All right, so I'm going to go back through those and explain these, okay? So first, have fun. Baseball is not worth playing if it's not fun, period. I'm talking about at any age level. I'm talking about little kids playing Little League. I'm talking about people with multi-million dollar contracts as adults. It is not worth playing if it is not fun. It is a sport. It is a sport. 
It is meant to be fun. And let me be clear. If kids are not having fun, it's not their fault. Can I get an amen? A couple of mm-hmms from the back. The adults have to make it a priority to let kids have fun. And I say let on purpose. Because left to their own devices, most kids are just going to have fun playing baseball. Left to their own devices, most kids are just going to have fun doing whatever it is that they're doing. Years ago, I knew a kid that was on a travel ball team, and they quit after one season because of the adults. Parents would be in the stands yelling at the kids like they were professionals, throw the ball, throw the ball, run faster, you have to swing harder. I don't know why. Maybe they were trying to live vicariously through their kids. Maybe they were trying to relive the glory days, or maybe they were just trying to push their kid to be better than they ever would. But at that age, it is not fun when adults don't let them have fun. And if it's not fun, it is not worth it. When adults are involved in anything that is meant for kids, the adults have to be the ones that are intentional about keeping it fun. I coached the All-Star team in our third and final game Instead of having them do a bunch of drills, what I did was I just let them play wiffle ball before the game. I could have had them do a bunch of skill drills. I could have had them kneeling on one knee. I could have had them doing extra ground balls or pop flies. Would those drills have made the difference between winning and losing that particular game? No. They needed to have fun in a moment that felt important. Wow, this is so important. They needed to be reminded that the number one reason that they were there was to have fun. So rule one, have fun. Rule two, my bad, move on. In baseball, you have to get really good at moving past your last mistake. Because what was rule number one? Have fun. And baseball isn't fun if you're being too hard on yourself. It just isn't. Maybe you're playing third base and the ball gets hit at you like a rope. And you make a bad play, you bobble the ball, you throw, you make a bad throw to first base. That kid, now he's on second base. They got someone in scoring position. You can't dwell on the last play. You have to be willing to say, my bad, move on. Because in 10 seconds, the next kid is going to be up to bat. And the ball might come to you again. And if you are still sulking about what happened on the last play, then the chances of you making a good play this, this time are diminished. You have to get really good at saying, my bad, move on. Third, every position is important. Here's the truth. Not every kid wants to play shortstop. Some of you don't know what shortstop is. It's an important spot. It's fine. It's an important spot. Not every kid wants to play that spot, but here's the truth whether they admit it or not. Every parent wants their kid to play shortstop. Because shortstop has this perception like it's the most important spot on the field. Even the parents that say they're fine with their kid playing anywhere, I'm good, whatever's best for the team. Deep down, they want their kid to play shortstop, or at the very least, they want the coach to put their kid in the infield. But every position is important, especially, listen, especially when you get to 12U, 12 and under. 
Because 10, 11, and 12-year-olds are starting to hit the ball into the outfield way more than they were in the 8, 9, and 10-year-old league. Some of these kids are hitting home runs, y'all. In our last All-Star game, at the end of the season, one of the kids on that team hit a home run over the fence. The team that ended up winning the local tournament in the last inning, they hit three home runs over the fence. They're all 12 and under. But here's the thing. This past season, we saw plenty of home runs where the kid just hit the ball into the outfield and it got past a player. And the kid was fast enough to run all the way around the bases. Every position is important. If the kid in the outfield can't catch or at least cut off a line drive, then the other team scores extra runs. That's what I told my team all year long. If you are in the outfield, it is not because it's unimportant. It's because I need you to cut off that ball. It's because I need you to catch that ball. I need you to be the one that keeps them from scoring those extra runs. And not only every position is important, but every player is important. This regular season that I coached this summer, sponsored by Cool Beans, by the way. Yep, so thanks to Annette and uh, Cool Beans for sponsoring our baseball team. But when we got to game 11, all right, when we got to game 11, we had lost the first 10. We were 0 and 10. I could get on my soapbox about why teams were a little uneven. It's fine. But I want to tell you a story about a girl named Zoe. It's not a real name, but um, she was the only girl on our team. And at our first practice, it seemed pretty obvious to me that, that Zoe definitely did not want to be there. She wanted to keep her phone in her pocket. She hung out in the dugout longer than anyone else. Sometimes when we asked everyone to run or jog, she would walk. Don't think that she had ever thrown a ball. I don't think she had ever caught a baseball. I definitely know that she had never swung a bat. But her mom wanted her to play a sport. She had played volleyball the year before. Apparently, she didn't like that very much either. And so her mom was like, well, you're going to play on this team with your brother. After the first 10 games, listen, every position is important. Every player is important. After the first 10 games, Zoe had a batting average of zero. Zero, zero, zero. With 11 strikeouts and two walks. Oh, and she got hit by pitch two times. <laughs> because she'd never played baseball before. She didn't know how to get out of the way. <laughs> now, by the time that we got to our 11th game, I was starting to feel like as a coach, like I was finally getting some things right. Like the lineup was starting to make sense because I knew some of the stats these kids had that I just wasn't making it up. I was looking at what they had done and I was shaping the order that they should bat in. And we were getting closer to winning games. So game 11, in the last inning, we were tied with two outs and the winning run was standing on third base. All we needed was a base hit to win this game. And you know who was up to bat? Zoe. So she watched a couple pitches. She swung at a couple pitches and missed. 
She ends up having what's called a full count. Three balls, two strikes. You only get four balls or three strikes. So she was either going to get a walk or she was going to strike out or maybe she was going to get hit. We were one strike away from losing, one ball away from the next batter that was a little better of a batter to come back at the top of the order or one hit away from a win with the person up to bat that had never gotten a hit. So now I'm praying. <laughs> you know, they say no, no crying in baseball. There's definitely crying in baseball. And I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of praying in baseball. A lot of coaches standing on first base going, please, Lord Jesus, I will go to church this Sunday if you let this kid get a hit. Please, Lord Jesus. <laughs> so I'm standing on first base because I'm the first base coach because I like to be there to encourage the kids when they get there. And I'm like, legit. It's our 11th game. I'm like, Jesus, please. I mean, I'm not sure this is how it works, but please, just please help her. Just help her. Help her get a, let the, you know, trip the pitcher. Make him throw a ball. I don't know. Just let this kid get on base. Now, everything is in slow motion. The pitcher winds up pitch, pitching the ball. I see Zoe starting to swing the bat, and she makes contact. And so I'm on first base. I'm like, go, go, go. Everything's in slow motion. She starts to run. The runner on third base starts running home, trying to score, and then the ball gets past the other team. She makes it to first base safe. The runner from third base makes it home. Everyone is cheering. Everyone in the dugout is jumping up and down as excited as they've been all year long. I run over. Zoe's just standing on first base. I don't think she has any idea what just happened. But I put my hand on her helmet. And I look right at her. I go, you just won the game for us. I'm so proud of you. And just like in this moment, I was holding back tears as I told her how proud I was of her. In those last six games of the season, we ended up winning three games in a row, losing two, and then tying our last game against the best team in our division. Because every position is important. Because every player is important. In the first 10 games, Zoe's batting average was zero. But in those last six, it was 500. Which means that she got a hit half the time she was up to bat. Her on-base percentage was 750. Which means that she was on base three-fourths of the time in those last six games. <sighs> I just wanted her to have fun. For whatever reason, she didn't want to keep playing volleyball. I just wanted her to learn how to move on from the strikeouts. And to know that even if she never played baseball before, and if she never got a hit that entire season, that she was important. At our awards ceremony at the end of the year, everybody got the same exact trophy. Said the exact same thing on it, same exact shape, but I told the entire team that Zoe was our MVP because she was the most improved and she never quit. So we have fun. We say my bad and we move on. Every position and every player is important because rule four, baseball is magic. 
That moment when Zoe got the game-winning hit, that was magic. It felt like magic. It actually, it's better than magic. It's better than illusion you see on stage because it's real. So now I have a confession to make, all right? This is something that you're not really supposed to say about baseball because baseball is magic. Because baseball is real. But because baseball is real, baseball can be kind of boring sometimes. It can. I'm sorry. I, I, love, I love baseball. But a lot of baseball is just watching something not happen. Does that make sense? I mean, something is happening. Someone is pitching and someone is catching and someone is up to bat. But if no one's getting hits, if no one's scoring runs, if no one is getting on base, then I'm sorry, it can be, it can be boring. Until it's not. Baseball has this way of surprising you with moments has this way of having magical moments sneak up on you. has these moments that are both exciting and sometimes scary. Moments that are triumphant and heartbreaking. And it's the boring, it is the mundane that actually leads to the magic. I want to show you what I'm talking about. I got a little video I want to show you. This just happened. This video we're going to show. This just happened this week at the Little League World Series. Don't don't worry. Everyone's okay. All right. But watch watch this video. Oh look out! That's awesome. This is really cool because as a pitcher, Bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did. And look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Look at me. Look at me. You're all right. Look at me. What a stud right there. Zay Jarvis. Cheers, anyone? If baseball was just a competition, if it was just a battle, if it was just a game with winners and losers, then this moment of deep humanity, this magical moment where one kid comforts his opponent would never happen. But baseball is magic. It can shape kids to know how to do the right thing, not just with a baseball, but with each other. That kid that got hit, he knew that baseball was supposed to be fun. He knew 
that this pitcher needed to just say my bad and move on. He knew that this kid was important. And I think that he knew that in that moment that there was potential for magic. But just like in the rest of life, sometimes you have to look for the moment that's meant to be magic. You have to be willing to leave the base you're standing on to hand it to someone else. So have fun. My bad, move on. Every position is important. Baseball is magic. And rule five, keep playing. This is honestly probably less of a rule and just more of a hope that I have. My hope as a coach is that these kids will want to keep playing, hopefully baseball, maybe another sport. That's fine. But if they, and if they don't, at the very least, it is my hope that because of how I coached them, that they'll believe that they're wanted and that they are important and that it is possible, it is actually possible to be on a team or even follow a leader that cares and can be trusted. Because so many kids give up or quit, and I think it's mostly because the adults that failed them. Adults told them they weren't good enough at baseball to keep having fun. Adults told them they couldn't just move on after they made a mistake. I had one kid on my team that told me at the end of the game they knew they were going to get a lecture all the way home because of how they played. Adults are the ones that keep telling kids that certain positions are more important than others, and it's adults that suck the magic out of baseball. It's the adults that should be able to control their own emotions and their own expectations. Because if they won't, if us, if we as adults, if we won't, why would kids want to keep playing? This is where it should be like abundantly obvious that everything I've said today isn't only about baseball. It's parabolic. It's a metaphor for this church. It's a metaphor for Christianity, for our own kids, for the kids in our community that need to know Jesus. Because whether our kids have fun and learn to move on, whether they feel important or see magical moments, whether they feel like they can keep Believing has a lot to do with us and how we coach them, how we disciple them, whether they see us doing these things. We can follow these same rules, and I can follow these same rules in how I pastor this church. Rule one, have fun. The word fun does not show up in the Bible, but it is all throughout it. It's in creation. It's in the Psalms. It's in the friendship between David and Jonathan. It's in the way Jesus welcomed children when the adults were being too stuffy. Following Jesus should be fun, especially for kids. Because we all know this. A lot of life does end up being hard. But fun is age appropriate, no matter how old you are. Years ago... Years ago, I heard someone telling kids to stop climbing on the chairs at the church that I was at, and so I pulled the adult aside and corrected the adult. Kids should run in church with their parents' permission. 
Kids should climb in church. Kids should not be punished and made to pay for things they accidentally broke in a church. Because kids need to have fun. Not the existential threat of something being wrong. And I think adults, we need to learn again how to have fun in church. Two, my bad, move on. Jesus wants us to be the kind of people that forgive. Because that is what God is like. We're told this over and over again. Forgiveness is codified in the only prayer that the Bible records Jesus teaching his disciples. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we're not only meant to forgive others, but ourselves. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love yourself if you can't forgive yourself? And how do you love your neighbor if you only love yourself halfway? Following Jesus means that we acknowledge our sin and our mistakes. And because of what God has done, because of who he is, we move on. We can't get stuck on our errors because the next play is about to happen. We need to have fun. We need to forgive and move on. Rule three, every position is important. Jesus taught his disciples that the rulers of this world lord their power over others, but they were meant to be different, that for them the first was last, the last was first, the best served the least. Later, Paul would teach that the church, that every part of the church deserves honor. Listen, I might be the one that, in general, when I'm not on sabbatical, preaches the most. I might be the one that plays Guitar, you might see me in the front a lot, but every volunteer on our framework team is important. And there is no position on that team that is unimportant. There is no person on that team that is unimportant. When the facility crew comes and cleans the building without anyone else realizing that it happens, when someone makes the coffee or waters the plants, when your kids are taught in treehouse, when the communion gets put under your chairs, or when the sound gets turned up or down, when someone gives $1 or 1000 every person in every position is important. But not just the people giving or serving on the framework team, every person matters. Because the Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the people that serve. It doesn't say, for God so loved the people that showed up. God so loved the world. God loves everyone. We aren't just here for the people that show up. We are here for everyone that God is here for. That is everyone. Because while church isn't magic, it is miraculous. The idea that two or more can gather and get along for any length of time, let alone 2,000 years, is a miracle because Jesus is among them. For the church to have persisted for two millennia is miraculous because there aren't any perfect churches, are there? There aren't. There aren't any perfect people, and yet we still have churches. 
And maybe church feels boring most of the time for some people, but it only makes the moments of miraculous all that more special. Like, how about the idea, well, maybe the idea of giving to God through the local church seems boring to some of us. But here's the thing, in the last eight months, we have given away thousands of dollars to people that are in need. That's miraculous. Just this summer, summer which is notoriously a time where, where you wonder if you're going to hit budget, but just this summer, you all gave above and beyond the budget needs, and we gave $2,500 to tuition needs, to people that had babies, to people with car issues, and to missions. And maybe for the first time ever, maybe since the first year of this church, we've gone January through the end of July without missing budget once. Listen, and we did it after a pandemic, during inflation, and a looming recession. That feels pretty miraculous to me. Maybe you feel like you haven't had your miraculous moment yet, but I believe that it's here. And I think if I have been any kind of pastor this past nine years, it's been the kind of pastor that's just trying to help people to keep playing, to not give up. This summer, someone that had been a part of our church for four years had to move away, and she wrote me a letter saying that if it hadn't been for the way I'd pastored her, how I walked with her through the most difficult time of her life, she just wouldn't believe in Jesus anymore. This past week, I sat with someone, and I asked if they had faith and religion in their background, and they, they said they used to, but they had watched as a church excommunicated their close family friend because their child was gay. She said that lately she's been trying to believe in God, and I told her, it's just amazing and special that she hasn't given up. I'm affirming, I am anti-racist, I am always learning as a pastor, in part because I just don't want people to give up on the goodness of God. Because I believe that maybe God is just a little bit better than so many of us have allowed Him to be. And I believe that we are and we have the opportunity to create here a culture where people will just keep playing. They will keep trying. They won't put the ball down and go home. Because this should be fun, y'all. Amen. This should be Forgiving, if there is anywhere on earth that everyone should know that they are important, it should be here. It should be in the church. Because it's not magic, but it's miraculous. But let me say this as I close. Even if only a couple of those things happen at any one time. Maybe that will be enough to help them keep playing. We won't be perfect all the time. As a church, we won't hit every base. 
Maybe we can help people keep playing, to keep believing, to keep looking, because Jesus never stops looking for them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And I thank you for baseball. I thank you for all the games, all the sports, all the silly ways that we come up with to spend our time. And I thank that you can thank you that you can even teach us something through those. Help us to love you, to follow you, to trust you, to have fun, to forgive. To really treat everyone like they're important. To look for the miracles. And keep playing. In the name of Jesus. Amen.